Well, grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're so glad that you're here on this uh, first day of the week. Uh, we're, we're grateful for your presence. We're grateful for those who are joining us online. If you have a Bible, you might be turning to uh, Nehemiah chapter 6, and we'll wrap up our study on the book of Nehemiah this morning. I would encourage you, if you're not coming on Wednesday night, to consider that. Um, this Wednesday, we'll begin our Wednesday night meals again. I know that's a, a blessing to many, but we'll gather at 6 o'clock and enjoy a time of fellowship together. And, and that's just such a, such a great time. We appreciate all those who, who take the time to prepare those meals. And so for the last few weeks, we've been traveling with, uh, with Nehemiah, and we've learned that at the beginning, he had to make this difficult decision. He had to decide to, to leave the comfort and the security of his home to travel to Jerusalem. And this was not an easy decision to make. Uh, many of his fellow Jews decided to stay, but not Nehemiah. He chose to do the right thing, even though it was hard, even though it, was, it meant that he was going to have to make sacrifices. And so in the midst of all this destruction that Babylon had caused, Nehemiah chooses to build and he chooses to do something good. We've learned that doing the right thing and doing the good thing is not always easy. Nehemiah was hounded by critics who just would not leave him alone. And they were opposed to his actions, and they did everything they could to try and to get him to stop. What did Nehemiah do? Well, we learned that he just kept on building, that he did not stop to to listen to those critics, that he was faithful to what God put before him, and, and he made sure that that work was going to be finished. In chapter 6, we, we read about the completion, or we read about the completion of the rebuilding of the wall, And it says, so the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. After Nehemiah and all who joined him get done with their work, People, people look at what they've done, and, and, and what they see is the hand of God. And even Nehemiah's critics, those who oppose him, they are frightened. They, they discover that, that Nehemiah was right all along, and they were wrong. And do you remember what Nehemiah said to them when, when they kept bothering him, and they kept pursuing him, and, and they just would not relent? We find this in in verse 3 of chapter 6. It says, he says to those critics, I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And so we learn here that, that Nehemiah's focus was on this good work that God had called him to do, and that he refused to get distracted by, by anything that was going to take him away from this work. And Nehemiah teaches us an important lesson here. Because we live in this world that is full of distractions. And they are all around us. And distractions, they, they often take us away from what is important. 
And what we need to do is identify where God is at work. What is God doing in this community? What is God doing in my neighborhood? What is God doing through this church? Or we might ask, what does God want me to do? And identify where God is at work. Identify a good work and then commit to that and don't get distracted. Distraction is one of the biggest temptations of our age. We, we live in a world where, where people, um, believe it or not, that they just spend all day arguing on the internet. And guess what? You can be right. You can have the truth. But what good does that do? Think about this. Think, think about Nehemiah's situation. And if Nehemiah would have went and he would have gotten to those arguments and gotten to those debates, Nehemiah would have been right. He would have had the truth on his side. He may have even won the argument. But he was wise enough to recognize that this isn't going to benefit anyone. He was already doing a good work. And he didn't need to stop that. He didn't need to get distracted by, by, by something that doesn't really matter. And so if you're doing good, keep doing good. You're doing exactly what you need to do. In chapter 6, we, we, we learn that the project that Nehemiah had begun is finished. The wall is rebuilt. But you might notice, if you're looking at the book of Nehemiah, it doesn't end in chapter 6. What comes next? Well, as we've already said, Nehemiah lives in this world where destruction's all over the place. Destruction had taken this toll on Jerusalem. And he rebuilt the walls of the city. But then we learn that he's not satisfied with simply rebuilding the walls. That he wants to make sure that the events that led to this destruction are not going to happen again. And again, this is a very wise thing to do, because too often in our world, problems don't get fixed. We put a Band-Aid on them. We might create laws or rules to, to try to prevent things from happening, but we rarely ask, you know, what caused this to happen in the first place? Um, we, we see situations, maybe like a, a city that has problems with their water. The, the water's gone bad. We, we've heard of this in the last several years. Right now it's in Mississippi before it was in Michigan. And, and so people want to help, and so they send bottled water. And that's great. That addresses a need. People have to have water. But, but what happens if no one ever finds out why that water went bad in the first place? What if no one ever addresses the, the harder problems that actually get to the root of the problem. And we see this all the time. We see it happen with moral problems and ethical problems. We see it happen with sin problems. We may address the surface issue, but we don't always go deeper. Nehemiah is a man who wants to go deeper. And so he makes sacrifices. He rebuilds the wall. And he could have, you know, after that said, I'm done, I'm, I'm going to rest, I'm going to retire. But he doesn't. 
He wants to make sure that this tragedy that, that, that caused the wall to be destroyed in the first place, it doesn't happen again. So we're going to get to the root of the problem. We also see that, that Nehemiah does not blame others, although that would have been an easy thing to do. After all, it was Babylon who destroyed those walls and destroyed the temple. It was Babylon who conquered Judah and took all of God's people captive. Aren't they to blame? Shouldn't we point the finger at them? Well, Nehemiah knows his history. He knows the words of the prophets. Yes, it was Babylon who destroyed the walls of the city. But they were only allowed to do so because of the disobedience of of Judah. And so when Nehemiah prays in chapter 1, he doesn't lay the blame at Babylon's feet. What he does is he repents. And he calls on his family to repent. And he calls on his people to repent. What happens after the wall is rebuilt? Well, the people gather to hear the word of the Lord. We read about this in Nehemiah chapter 8. and So uh, you can flip over there, see it on the screen. This is the first eight verses in Nehemiah chapter 8. It says, And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard. And on the first day of the seventh month, and he read from it, facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday, in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand, and, all the, and the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose, and beside him stood Mattathiah and Shemah and Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah on his right hand, and Padiah, Mishael, Malshijah, Hashem, Hashbadanah, Zechariah, and Meshlam on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shebathiah, Hodiah, Messiah, Kelaita, Azariah, Jazabad, Hanan, Peliah, the, and the Levites helped the people to understand the law. While the people remained in their places, they read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense that the people understood the reading. And so what, what we learn here is that Nehemiah and the people of God, they don't stop building once they get done with the wall. They want to continue to make a difference. They want to rebuild their city spiritually and morally. And so what do they do? Well, they turn to God's word, which had been neglected by their ancestors. And they read it aloud, and they listen to what is said, and they seek to understand it. And right after this, if you keep on reading chapter 8, you learn that they celebrate the festival of booths, something that they have been neglecting as well. 
So, so, so they're interested in doing what the Word says. And so they take the Word of God and they listen, they understand, and they do. And that right there is a pattern for success. Nehemiah has a foundation for everything that he does in life. And that foundation is God. We see this in chapter 1 and 2 with his prayer life. We see it in chapter 6 with his commitment to the work that God has called him to. And now we see it again in chapter 8. Once Nehemiah is, is done with the wall, he wants to build a life of devotion. And so there's commitment to the Word of God. There's commitment to know God's will for one's life. And the people look to God and they seek to, to understand how God wants them to live. We live in a world of uncertainty. And we've seen a lot of this over the last few years. People have changed jobs. People have moved. The, the pandemic and, and other events have, have just caused people to look at life differently. And so what do we do when things are uncertain? What do we do when we're, we're, we're unsure what tomorrow might bring? Well, what we should do is build a life of devotion. And do what Nehemiah does and others do, is to make God our foundation. Because when we do this, we are prepared for whatever life is going to throw our way. And it may be unexpected, it may be a surprise, it may even be shocking to us. But whatever it is that happens, our lives are not going to be upended because we have built upon the foundation of God. And so how do we build such a life? Well, there are many elements to building a life of devotion, but there's one thing that the text specifically mentions, and it's found in verses 5 and 6. So you look there, it says, And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people, and as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And so one of the things that, that we should notice about this passage, one of the things that stands out that's mentioned multiple times, is the posture of the people. And so they stand out of respect for the reading of God's word. How long did they, they stand? Well, the, if you go back and read the text, it says they did this from morning to midday half a day. And then it says they bow their heads to the ground and worship the Lord. And so posture might seem um, like something that's small or insignificant, but it's something that matters. And there's a reason that the Bible records the posture of worshipers over and over and over again. Genesis uh, chapter 17 verse 3 says that Abraham fell on his face, and then God spoke to him. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane fell on his face and prayed. And those are just two examples of many throughout the Bible. Posture is a sign of, of reverence or respect, but, but posture is also something that, that shapes us. 
And so we are more attentive or aware when we take certain postures. And some postures make us more receptive. Posture also communicates a a message to those around us. And so our our children or our grandchildren can can identify what we think is important or, or, or what we think is not important by just looking at our posture. And we understand all of this in culture. It's one of the reasons why we stand for the Pledge of Allegiance, or we bow our heads for a moment of silence. It's because that posture matters. Well, the people in Nehemiah chapter 8, they respect the Word of God, and they revere the Lord, and their posture towards God and His Word, it shapes how they're going to live. And the same is true for us. We need to consider how we approach God and how we handle His Word. Because God and His Word are not things that that we're just to use for our own advantage. We don't shape God into our image. We don't make Him out to be whoever it is we want Him to be. It's the opposite. We are shaped into the image of God. Being a Christian is is having our life transformed into the image of Christ. And the only way that this is going to happen is by approaching God with the right posture and receiving the word of God with meekness. God is at work in our world and in our lives. But it only benefits us if we take the right posture before him. It's kind of like uh, working with a piece of wood. And so when you get a piece of wood and you're going to work with it, you can either go against the grain or with the grain. And going against the grain doesn't work out very well. You don't get to see the beauty uh, of what that piece of wood can become. We're told in the book of Jeremiah that God is a potter that he is a a craftsman who is working in our lives and that he wants to create something beautiful out of us. But, But we have to approach God with the right posture. We have to be humble and meek and we have to respect the word that he has given us and receive it with open and willing hearts. And so as we wrap up, our series on Nehemiah this morning, I want you to consider this question. What are you building? The message of the book of Nehemiah is that we need to get busy building. We need to build a life of prayer. We need to build ministries that that serve and uh, invest in others. We need to build God-centered relationships. We need to say yes to God and be faithful to the projects that, that he puts before us. We need to build upon the foundation of God and, and build a life of devotion. And, and all of this is a challenge because we live in this world that is devoted to destruction. And, and everywhere we look, people are tearing down. 
They're tearing down institutions. They're tearing down good works. They're tearing down one another. And our response to all of this should be to build something good and something that lasts. And so what are you building? Look at your life. Consider your legacy. What are you leaving for the next generation? What ministry or good work are you building that, that, that others will be able to come along and to continue? What are you building within your family that, that's going to influence your children and your grandchildren? Or are you passing on to them a, a life of prayer and a life of devotion? The best thing this church could do to make a difference in this community and in the world would be to come together and to build something good. You see, Satan wants us divided. Satan wants us to have other allegiances other than Christ. Satan wants the people of God bickering and fighting. This is because if we're divided, then we're not going to be able to do anything meaningful. We will not accomplish the the good that, that God wants us to accomplish. The truth is, we can make a difference. We can leave a legacy. We can do what what Nehemiah and, and his people did back long ago. They, they rallied around a good and faithful work and they devoted themselves to God. That's not rocket science. We just need to do it. And we've done it before. We've prayed in the past and, and God has sent us opportunities. We, we built something with our work in this community, handing out backpacks and giving haircuts and, and, and feeding people. We built something five years ago when Hurricane Harvey struck LaGrange, and that was a ministry that lasted about a year. It's a ministry that people still talk about. We built something with our Hands of Hope ministry. We fed kids in need. We've met people in our community who we would have never met if it wasn't for that ministry. We are building something at Amen. The, the last time that we worked at Amen, it, it was just amazing. We had an incredible group of volunteers. And, and, and I heard people talking about Jesus as, as they were helping people who were in need. The question this morning is, what is next? What does God have planned for us? What does he have planned for this church? Nehemiah 6 and verse 16. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Laura and I have been here for almost 13 years, and throughout that time, We've seen what God has done. God has been at work among us. This church has been open and receptive to God's word and God's will. 
We have been obedient to his plans. And we can look back on, on the things that we've done and we can see the hand of God. We've done that. Let's make sure we don't grow weary. Let's make sure that we don't get too comfortable and where we reach a point where we're unwilling to sacrifice. Let's keep the right posture before God and let's do it all again. Because I, I, I believe that, that God has something special in store for us. I, I believe that we can continue to make a difference in this community. And I believe that we can build something that the people around us will be unable to deny God's involvement in it. They, they will look at what we're doing and they will say, this work has been accomplished with the help of God. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you for this day. We thank you for all the many blessings that you have bestowed upon us. And Father, we are grateful for your work in this community, work that you have invited us to be a part of. We're grateful that we've been able to, sell, to serve and to help others, that, that we have been a light in this community, and that people have been led to Christ. And I pray that we will continue this, that we will be open and receptive to your plans, that we will be willing to be a part of whatever it is you're building here in LaGrange, Texas. Be with us and bless us, and may we continue to be a light in this community and to point people to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.